Hi, ladies. Welcome to the Olives and Arrows podcast, where we discuss women's health, marriage, fertility, pregnancy, birth, motherhood, and much more from a biblical worldview. While we might not agree on every theological issue, we are unified in the truth of the gospel and recognize that this cannot be separated from our experiences. It's a gift to be able to share these things with you today. I pray that you will be encouraged and that God will be glorified. Keep in mind that the things we discuss are personal experiences. You may relate to the information, but every woman's body is different. You should always discuss your health and wellness practices with a trusted healthcare provider. Please note that on this podcast, we do discuss details regarding our bodies that you might want to discuss with your kids before they hear them on our show. With that in mind, let's get started. So today we have Dr. Rebecca Vavilov on the podcast, and um, she is, first of all, incredible, and I'm so excited to have her on. We're actually going to be doing two episodes with her. So the first one, we're going to get her mom journey, and the second one, we're going to get her healthcare practitioner doctor journey. Um, so just to give a few facts about Rebecca, Um, She is a wife to her chemistry lab partner from college. They've been together for 10 years and married for almost six. Um, She's the mom of two little boys who are one and three years old. Um, She holds her PhD in natural medicine, and she is the founder of Ova Wellness. Welcome, Rebecca. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Of course, of course. So excited to have you here. I just know that this is going to be a wealth of information to the women listening. Um, So today we're going to talk about your motherhood journey, which is just so incredible. Um, So if you want, maybe kick us off and just tell us about um, where you live and what your practice looks like, and then we can get started on our questions. So I live in Minnesota, and it is blizzardy often (laughs) and so (laughs) so for all of you northerners out there you know what i'm talking about um and so my practice is in minnesota but i also do virtual clients which i am really excited about and uh, my practice is focused around women's health issues ranging from fertility to hormonal imbalances Wonderful. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited to dig a little bit deeper into that on our next episode, but first we're going to talk about your um, motherhood journey. So um, let's get started and just tell me a little bit about your marriage and your journey to your first pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my husband and I have been married for almost six years now. Our anniversary is coming up in May, and we met through some mutual friends and ultimately ended up becoming chemistry lab partners, which is super fun. We're both science geeks. He ended up doing physics and I went the biology route, but we dated through college for about three years. We were in and got married. And yeah, we're just coming up on our six-year wedding anniversary now. So that is a little bit of our marriage story. But to back up a little bit, um, I had actually been put on the pill in high school 
for menstrual cramps. And so I want to tell a little bit about that journey because it kind of leads into our pregnancy and fertility story. And so as a teenager, I had horrible menstrual periods. And I just remember there were days where I was bending over the bathtub backwards just to get some relief from cramps. And it was so bad that I went into my doctor and they gave me the pill as a solution to that. And so I was on the pill for about five years or so, and I ended up taking myself off for some health reasons. I was actually really into fitness at the time. I was lifting weights and doing all sorts of nutritional things. And at the time I wanted to lower my body fat even more. I knew that maybe coming off the pill could help with that. And so I did. And uh, that was my reason at the time. Right now, you know, I would I would probably think about coming off for other reasons, but before we got married, we ended up deciding, you know, let's go back on the pill because in the kind of evangelical community I was raised in, that's just what you do before you get married. And so that's what I ended up doing. So it, I don't know if you want to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but it really wasn't until I became more involved in pro-life work in my community much later that I actually discovered some of the properties of the pill and um, how that can actually be detrimental if you do end up conceiving a baby. Um, and I also, through that, realized that I kind of had this self-centered view um, and almost unbiblical mindset surrounding children. I, I thought, you know, I need to put my life first and I need to pursue my career and we need to do all these things and get established and travel the world before we have kids. You know, they might set us back. And so it really, it took some time for the Lord to work on my heart and really show me that I was in my heart viewing children as a burden at the time rather than a blessing. And so I've since then, um, the Lord has been working on my heart a lot with that. And I've just changed how I view children. And now I think, wow, like they're just gifts from the Lord, no matter when they're given to you, if it's right at the beginning of your marriage or if it's down the road. And so Anyway, when I went back on the pill, when we first got married, I had horrible side effects. And so I ended up just taking myself off and I wasn't actually on it for that long when we were married. Um, so that yeah. uh, that's kind of the beginning story, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, can we dig a little bit more into that discovery process? process that you went through of finding out maybe the pill wasn't all it was cracked up to be? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there are kind of two different things that I learned about the pill that I was just shocked about. I, I had not been told these things when I was first put on it. The first thing was um, the health-related risks that could potentially come along with it. Um, I had no idea at the time that the pill worked by 
stopping your ovulation by telling your brain to communicate to your ovaries to stop making hormones. And of course, we know that that's the primary way that the pill works, but that just wasn't told to me as a teenager. And I wasn't thinking about potential fertility implications at that time. I just wanted relief from my cramps. And so that was one thing that I learned later on that I wish I had known as a teenager because it definitely could have different health impacts. It also can deplete different nutrients in your body. And I didn't know that. And so that's kind of some of the health things that I did not know at the pill about the pill at that time. But the other thing that I kind of touched on is that that primary way that the pill works is to suppress ovulation, but a secondary way that it can work is if you do end up ovulating that cycle, it can actually cause the environment in the uterus to become hostile to a new embryo so that that embryo cannot implant properly. And so you lose that baby. And I did not know that either. And so going into marriage and, you know, a year into marriage, learning that when I was involved in some different pro-life organizations, it really broke my heart because I, I did not know that when I was on it. And so I, I don't know if I would have maybe conceived when I was on the pill and just not been able to carry that pregnancy. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think this is a really common journey that a lot of women find themselves in, especially Christian women, um, when they dig a little bit deeper into how the pill works. Um, So I'm just curious, did you find out about these um, side effects or um, potential dangers as far as, you know, losing a fertilized egg um, on your own, like through your own research or Um, was the pro-life organization you were a part of presenting this information to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I did learn about the potentially abortifacient qualities through the pro-life organization I was volunteering with. I had been doing some sidewalk counseling, and there's this great organization that's local to me that was training us, and they were talking about the birth control pills. And um, it's actually a Catholic organization, and I'm personally not Catholic, but I think there is a lot of education surrounding birth control pills in the Catholic community. And so that was the first time that I had encountered that information myself. Definitely. Yeah, I think um, the Catholics are are leaps and bounds ahead of us Protestants on um, the issues of the pro-life movement and the issues of women's health. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, up until this point, I'm just curious, have you ever had any healthcare practitioner, whether it be a doctor or a midwife or um, any of those um, types of providers tell you the potential risks? I had not at all. Uh, My conversation with my doctor when I was a teenager was, hey, I have horrible cramps every month and I need to find some relief. And she proposed, well, here's the pill. It'll regulate your cycles. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. I was not told anything beyond that. 
Yeah. Well, I am really excited to dig more into that on our second episode um, because I want to hear what your advice would be surrounding that as a practitioner. So um, let's keep that in mind for our next conversation and our listeners have something to look forward to in that. Um, So let's go ahead and jump into your personal journey to pregnancy then. Um, Let's start with your first one and then we can talk about your second one as well. Yes. So like I said, when I went back on the pill, when we were first married, I had these horrible side effects. So I ended up taking myself off of it. And right around that time, I also met a local naturopathic doctor and I started working for her in her clinic. And she taught me so much. And I really started taking better care of myself. The things that I thought were healthy were not. I was eating protein bars and I mean like six chicken breasts a day because I was really into weightlifting and I was just doing things that I thought were good for my body. And I realized, wow, I am so wrong with a lot of these things. I started using more natural personal care products that didn't have toxic ingredients in them. And I really started thinking about preparing my body for pregnancy. And so I went on a preconception diet. I started doing different detoxes under her guidance and started replenishing some of the nutrients that had been depleted in my body by the pill, things like the vitamins and folate and magnesium. And so that was about a year that, well, maybe a little bit less that I was doing those things to kind of prepare my body for pregnancy. And I remember I went on a business trip with my boss, the doctor that I worked for. And right when we got back, my husband and I were talking and I went into her office the next day and I told her, I think I would like to become pregnant in the near future. And her response was, well, you know, it can take a little while, so don't become too impatient, you know? And we switched around my supplements a little bit so that I could be on some fertility friendly things. And what do you know, two weeks later, I came back into her office with a card that says, will you be my doctor? Love baby Babylon or baby B. That's so awesome. So that was my first pregnancy. I was using ovulation strips to try to figure out when I was ovulating. And I did have a pretty regular period, but it wasn't until after that pregnancy that I actually learned more about charting my cycle and things like that. Got it. Got it. So you're using ovulation strips, but at this time you weren't using any kind of like fertility awareness or in um, NFP or anything like that. It was just the strips. Yep. That's all that I was using at the time. Yes. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about that pregnancy. Yeah. So that first pregnancy was pretty non-eventful. I loved the Mama Naturals Guide to Pregnancy and Childbirth. I highly recommend that book for any of you who are pregnant out there. It goes week by week through your pregnancy, talks about the development of the baby. It gives some helpful tips for the mom, different foods to incorporate that are nourishing. And so I lived by that book and I used natural remedies throughout. 
if I got sick, I would take some garlic. And I just want to say up front, you know, these are the things that I personally did. I'm in no means giving medical advice to any of you because I'm not personally your doctor, but I'm just sharing my own experience with my pregnancy. And I also incorporated some raspberry leaf tea, red raspberry leaf tea. If you've seen a midwife, you've most likely heard of that and was doing some different supplements. And I took some birth classes that I was really excited about on how to do natural childbirth. And really, it was a pretty uneventful pregnancy the first time around. Yeah, definitely. Um, So we can, if you want, jump into your birth story. Do you want to tell me about those early stages of labor? Um, And also tell me a little bit about um, your doctor. We're using a doctor and midwife at this point. Yeah, so I was using a midwife. I had looked at some different practices in my area, and I found one that I was really happy with. And it was actually a team of midwives. And I was going to a freestanding birth center. So not a birth center in a hospital, but they were their own location. And they had a great team that I felt really comfortable with. And so going in, my goal was to have a natural unmedicated birth in the birth center with a midwife. And we'll talk about some of that happened and some of it didn't. Um, but But that was my idea going into birth. And I also found an incredible doula that I was able to work with. And um, if you're not familiar with what a doula does, they're, they're fantastic. They're basically emotional support for the mother during labor and birth. And I highly recommend finding a good one if you have one nearby. Definitely. Definitely. Doulas are superheroes. Um, That's great. So tell me about your birth then. Um, Tell me about the beginning of labor and uh, just kind of what that process looked like as well as when you transferred from home to the birth center. Yes, absolutely. So I had some great childbirth classes going into birth. I was honestly so excited. People, you know, would try to tell me as I was pregnant, oh, but you haven't been through labor. You know, pregnancy is fun, but labor's hard. And my mind just wasn't there. I was so excited. I thought, wow, like God has designed this amazing process of growing this child and our bodies are also designed to birth these children as well and of course at times medical interventions are needed and i'm so thankful that we have those when they are needed but i was really excited for for my birth i i could not wait and so some things that i was doing to prepare in advance i was using an exercise ball i was doing some spinning babies exercises to do. It's it's not actually flipping babies. It's um, it's a curriculum that you do. There are different exercises and stretches that you incorporate towards the end of pregnancy. And I was doing all the things. I was doing the pineapple, extra time with my husband, acupressure points, walking a lot, spicy food. I mean, I thought I'm just going to try it all because then I'll be able to tell people if it worked, right? And so I was doing some of those things leading up to my due date. And one week before my due date, I started to have contractions. I woke up and 
I, the strangest thing is I actually could not feel them at all. If I put my hands on my stomach, I could tell that it was completely tightening up and then it would loosen. And that happened every 10 minutes and that went on for hours. And so I called my midwife and I was like, you know, this, this thing is happening to my stomach and, (laughs) and I can tell that my belly is tightening but I can't feel it. I'm supposed to feel these, right? (laughs) And she said, yes, you know, that, that can happen at the beginning of labor. You know, when you have your first baby, you have no idea what it's supposed to be like. And so I just thought that was such an interesting phenomenon. So anyway, I had my husband stay home from work that day anyway, just in case. And we went to Costco. We got I mean, the largest shopping cart of all the things that we could potentially need in case we were going to be taking home a baby and not be able to leave our house for the next several weeks. You know, we we kind of went overboard, but we did that. We walked around. We live near a lake and we were walking around the lake several times and and the same thing was still kind of happening. You know, I could feel it tighten. Um, with my hands, but I couldn't actually, there was no sensation. There wasn't any pain to it. And interestingly enough, I actually had a midwife appointment scheduled for that afternoon. And so I did go to that appointment and she said, yep, you know, you're in early labor, but with your first pregnancy, it could be hours. It could be days. You just don't know. But I had this feeling, this is it this is it. And so I left that appointment a little bit discouraged because I was, you know, so excited to meet my baby. But at the same time, I also had this mindset of let's get him out. Let's do it. And so we decided, my husband and I decided that we were going to go to a restaurant to get spicy food because I had heard that spicy food could help get things moving along. And so We went home and we dropped off, you know, our bags. Why? I have no idea, the hospital bag, (laughs) but we did. And then we went to the restaurant, which was about 30 minutes from our house. And in the car ride on the way to the restaurant, my contractions had started getting closer together and I was able to feel them. And so... They had gone to every six minutes and then every five minutes and they were bearable, but they were getting a little bit more uncomfortable. And we got to the restaurant where we thought we were going to get the spicy food. We were looking for a big bowl. I don't know if they have big bowl where you guys live, Uh, but they have spicy Thai peanut noodles. And that's what we were in search of. And the first thing we went Yeah, that sounds good. Oh, so good. <laughs> a pregnant woman's dream. <laughs> Seriously, I was just thinking that. <laughs> so the first one that we went to, it was actually a Big Bowl Express, and they did not have the spicy Thai peanut noodles. So devastated, I went back to our car. And mind you, I was actually having contractions every five minutes. So I timed when I should go into the restaurant to order my food and then come back out to the car in between contractions. Well, once I got back into the car, my water broke. 
And I did not know if this was for sure my water breaking or maybe I just had an accident, but something happened. (laughs) (laughs) But determined to keep things moving along, I needed to find those spicy noodles. So we went to the next nearest big bowl, which was another 30 minutes away. And I sent my husband in to the restaurant to order our food. And by the time he came back out to the car with our food, my contractions were every four minutes and I was breathing through them. So things had progressed. I was on the phone with my Mm. doula. I said, you know, things are moving along. So she was on call. I called my midwife. She said, you know, you still sound pretty good even during your contractions. Um, it still could be like this for a little while. (laughs) And in the back of my head, I thought, oh, it could be, but this has to be it, right? I mean, I feel like we're really making progress here. So we went back to our house and on that ride home, that 30 minutes, I was having contractions every three minutes now and they were painful and so we called back and we're like you know what i think we need to come in and so she said all right come on in so we grabbed my bags and we went to the birth center which was another 30 minute drive and i was having contractions the whole way i could feel every single bump our car went over but But I was so excited, right? And so we got to the birth center and she said, okay, I'm going to check you and see how dilated you are. And I was two centimeters. That's all. So I was devastated. Oh no. So did you eat the spicy noodles really quick? Ah! Like keep it going. (laughs) That's a good question. So, so I didn't, they were there, but what had happened is she had realized that my water did break and there was actually meconium in the fluid. And so that means that baby had decided to take a little bowel movement Mm -hmm. and at the birth center, that is something that my particular birth center required a hospital transfer for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was advised to go to the hospital. My midwife came with me and that was just fantastic. But that was the very first time in my labor and delivery that I actually felt scared. Uh, I was nervous because things weren't going according to my plan. And I was afraid of what birth could potentially look like because it wasn't going to be what I had envisioned in my head for these nine months. And so we ended up checking into the hospital around 11 at night. And it was actually a wonderful labor process. My doula met us there and my midwife was there and I had a hospital nurse and she was phenomenal. We ended up walking the halls quite a bit for the first hour or so. And then I got on a birth ball 
and I did the next couple hours of contractions on the birth ball. And I got into the tub, not to birth in the tub, but just to labor in the tub to relieve some pain because I had just gone into active labor. And I was told, you know, that for most women, they feel a little bit of relief when they hit water. So I was so excited. Well, what happened to me is the exact opposite. I actually ended up having three contractions back to back, went through transition. And then all of a sudden, before I knew it, I was being pulled out of the tub onto the bed again so that I could deliver this baby. And so I, (laughs) (laughs) oh yes, I didn't know you could have them back to back like that. I thought you always (laughs) had a break in between, (laughs) (laughs) which normally you do, but transition is another story, right? Yeah, absolutely. So at this point, were you fully dilated? I was, I was, yes. I had gone from four centimeters, I believe, when we checked into the hospital to fully dilated within just a matter of a couple hours. Wow. Yeah. 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 And then by four in the morning, he was here. Wow. Wow. Okay. So tell us about, you know, active labor and pushing. How did that go? Yeah. So I was actually... So pushing was maybe the thing I was most apprehensive about, but in the moment, it felt like, wow, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing right now. It's like your body just takes over and knows what to do. And so once I got out of the tub, I experienced those back-to-back contractions. I got out and went back to the bed, and I was actually kind of leaning over the bed. I wasn't laying down. And uh, pushing was for about 45 minutes. And then I believe it was once his head was out, I think he just came out, if I remember correctly. I don't want to confuse my two children. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I believe that's what happened. And then I was Oh my goodness, just ecstatic. There's nothing to describe that moment. No words. Oh, good. And at that point, did you have a birth plan and was it honored? Do you feel like? I did have a birth plan. And yes, they did a really great job about sticking to what I had requested. I had decided to do delayed cord clamping and that birth, I actually ended up keeping my placenta and my doula was still there and was just phenomenal. And my husband, I think, was just in shock in a good way. <laughs> and <laughs> it was really, it was really a wonderful experience. And so the transfer itself from the birth center to the hospital was probably the hardest part emotionally, just because I wasn't anticipating that. And I didn't know how different my birth was going to look from what I had expected. But now looking back, you know, it really went very well. And I'm very happy about how the whole experience went. 
Good, good. And I'm guessing Andre was just so worth it, even though it was a little bit unexpected. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, good. just holding your newborn baby at those first moments is, oh my goodness, you can't describe it. Mm, so sweet. Well, tell us about your second pregnancy. Um, and we can dig into your birth a little bit, of course, but um, I want to hear specifically with this second pregnancy, did you do anything different? Um, how did you approach number two? Yes. So with my first son, I ended up nursing him for about 14 months. And then I had gotten my cycle back at about 10 months. So I knew that while I was nursing, I didn't want to do any sort of preconception detoxes. And so I finished out nursing until he weaned. And then I ended up, you know, doing some, some little short detoxes and just really tightening up my nutrition a bit. And then it really was two months after I stopped nursing Andre that I became pregnant with Isaac. And Oh, I guess I jumped the gun a little bit. I had another boy. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, that's so awesome. And it's so wonderful that your body was able to get pregnant quickly with your second baby. And it, it goes to show that, you know, that preparation really does go a long way. And of course, that's not the case for everyone, but it's wonderful that that was the case for you. Yeah, I think it does. You know, I had... I had focused so much time, especially prior to conceiving my first baby on nutrition and just trying to get all the things in order. I mean, really of just getting my body in a healthy place. And so I think that does help a lot. But of course, you know, every woman's story is completely different. Definitely. Definitely. So tell us about your pregnancy with Isaac. So with Isaac, we, I was about six weeks pregnant and I had not, I had told my husband, he knew right away, but I had kept it a surprise from anybody else. I had not told anyone else yet. Well, it was my mom's birthday and she came over to spend the day with my son and I, and I ended up telling her on her birthday, I am expecting another little one. And because I just knew that that would make her day. And so she found out on her birthday and so later, fun. so fun, so fun. I mean, great birthday surprise, right? You're going to be a grandma again. <laughs> I love it. And so later that night, we all went out for ice cream to celebrate her birthday. My dad joined us and my husband. And so we all had a little celebration and we were just kind of wrapping up. And I decided, you know, I should probably head to the bathroom again before we leave, you know, pregnancy bladder, right? And so I went to the bathroom and I looked down and all I saw was blood. Mm. And in that moment, my heart just sank. My heart was beating so loud. I could hear it. I was just sobbing uncontrollably. I thought, 
I just lost my baby. I here I had just announced this pregnancy to my mom. It was her birthday. And then only a couple hours later, I was losing this one. And so my husband and I ended up walking outside and just, we were at an ice cream shop by a lake and we just, we just walked and I just couldn't even wrap my head around what was happening. I couldn't process it. And so that night I, I was a mess if I'm being honest. I mean, I yeah. just, I had yeah, a really understandable. And so, and then later that night, I ended up having some cramping and pain and I was shaking uncontrollably and sweating and, you know, thinking I'm having a miscarriage, but also, you know, being pregnant, you know, you like Google everything that's happening to you and everything that's going on in your body. And so I'm, I'm Googling as I'm like shaking my hands, you know, and my legs are just trembling and the things that were popping up were ectopic pregnancy and rupture. And so I'm thinking, wow, you know, I might actually have to go to the hospital tonight And so my mom actually came over to our house in the middle of the night and so that she could stay with my, at the time, one-year-old son so that if my husband and I needed to go to the hospital, we could. And so she came and things ended up kind of calming down and I was able to sleep a few hours. But that next morning... I went in for an ultrasound to see what was going on. And in hindsight, I think what I was experiencing was probably a panic attack. (laughs) And yeah, yeah. But at the time, you know, I was, I had never experienced anything like that. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't know, you know, what was going on. Uh, So I went in for this ultrasound and I just want to say here as a little side note, it is so hard to find. I feel like there's this huge gap in care for women from the time that they learn that they're pregnant to their first OB appointment or midwife appointment. It seems like there's just a lot of time that happens, you know, Mm. And, and it's such a sensitive time. And you know, it's very common to have miscarriages that early in pregnancy, and there's just not a lot of care. And so I was actually calling around, like, who can get me in to see me? Because I think I'm having a miscarriage. It might be an ectopic pregnancy. I don't know what's going on. And, you know, it it took several phone calls to finally find a place that would see me. Um, And so I think that's where we need to do better for women, you know, is supporting them their whole pregnancy, not just, you know, starting at 10 or 12 weeks. Yeah. And I think that ties a lot into your passions and my passions for the pro-life movement, Um, because I, I experienced not exactly the same thing, but um, I experienced a, a 
quite a bit of spotting at the beginning of my pregnancy. And um, it was scary to call around to doctors and even midwives and, and just say, you know, this is happening and I don't know what's happening. And, and them kind of just telling me just wait um, where, yes, you do have to wait. I think there's a better delivery for that and just being willing to at least like look into it with you. So I definitely agree. Yes. And I completely agree with you too. And I am so sorry that you had that same kind of response. It's very hard to hear, you know, when, Mm. when you're concerned about this little life growing inside you and you're just not getting the care that you feel you should be getting at the time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened then? So at my ultrasound, so the first ultrasound that I had, the technician said that she saw nothing. (laughs) And I kind of want to go back and, you know, ask her, really? Like you saw nothing? Um, But she ended up referring me to a radiology clinic that only did ultrasounds around the clock. And she thought that they could maybe do a more specialized ultrasound to see what was going on. So a couple hours later, I was at that next clinic. And going into that ultrasound, I I still was pretty much a mess. I was in tears. The bleeding I hadn't had anymore since the day before. But, you know, I was hoping for the best, but at the same time expecting the worst, just preparing myself. And the technician was so, so kind and she, she, you know, put the, the wand over my abdomen and she pointed to the screen and she said, do you, do you see this little flutter? That's your baby's heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Praise God. And I was just so relieved. I was smiling. She gave me pictures and I came out and told my mom she had been waiting with my son. And I told her, everything's okay. Baby's fine. And we were just thrilled. But that, the, the story is far from over. That was just the beginning. I was actually then just about two minutes later flagged down by one of the staff. And she said, you know, we need to see you again. And she brought me into a private room and put me on a conference call with the radiologist and my midwife. And Hmm. they delivered the results and they said, you know, the ultrasound was able to confirm a heartbeat, but the pregnancy is not in a viable location it's ectopic and we need you to go to the hospital immediately for surgery. Mm, Wow. And so here I had been excited that day, been heartbroken, been excited, and then Mm. just devastated. It was the hardest day by far of my life, just the roller coaster. Yeah, wow. And so I remember that ride to the hospital, going to the emergency room, 
And just having one of those why God moments, you know? Yeah. It was, I value this life. There's a beating heart inside me right now. I've seen it. But that's not going to be the case in a couple hours. And why is this happening, you know? And I know that there are a lot of trials in our lives that we don't know the why, you know, God does and we don't. But in that moment, it was just really, really hard. And so we got to the hospital and we checked in and I had an emergency room doctor who was just very kind and she explained, you know, that they were going to be drawing a lot of blood, doing a lot of tests. I was hooked up to so many things. And then she explained that the surgeon was going to come in and explain the surgery. And then I'd be taken in for surgery. And so right then in that emergency room is when I ended up calling the rest of my family to announce my pregnancy. Wow. Wow. Hmm. And I remember just praying, you know, God, Hmm. just use this for something, you know? I don't know what the result's going to be, but will you just use it? And so every... Every nurse that came in, every lab tech that came in, every doctor that came in, you know, they could see the heartache and the tears. And I just remember telling them, you know, I'm heartbroken because this is a life. This is my child. It's not just tissue. And that's what this child's kept on being referred to as, you know, the pregnancy mm-hmm. and is not viable. And not once was it ever, you know, your child. And so then the surgeon came in and she, she said, you know, Rebecca, you know that this pregnancy is non-viable. And so what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to remove about half of your uterus and your fallopian tube because it's backed up with blood and you'll likely lose an ovary as well. And, you know, of course, the pregnancy, it's unlikely that you'll be able to uh, deliver a child naturally again. Uh, Do you have any questions? Oh, my goodness. And I thought do I have any questions? Can I get a new doctor? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah. I mean, this is huge. Not only are you talking about my child, but my fertility. And do I have questions? <laughs> you know? Yes. And so she said, you know, we have a room waiting for you upstairs for your recovery the emergency room, the, the surgery center is. And, you know, I was able to read the report from your ultrasound earlier today. 
you know, unfortunately we had a glitch in our computer system earlier, so I couldn't see the images of your ultrasound, but we should still be good to go. And that second, I thought, hmm, you're going to operate on me this huge procedure that has so many implications and you haven't even seen what's going on. <laughs> you're going by mm -hmm. a written report. Yeah. And so I said, you know, this is a really big deal and I want to have another ultrasound to confirm this if I'm going to go through this. And she, I remember she was so upset with me and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm not signing the consent forms <laughs> until you do this because this is a big deal. You know, I, this impacts my life in a, in a huge way. And I need to make sure, you know, if it is an ectopic pregnancy, of course this needs to be addressed, but I want you to at least know what you're looking for if you're going to operate on mm. Right. Yeah. And so she did end up ordering that next ultrasound. And I went in. That was my third ultrasound that day. And it was extensive. And I remember the way that that technician looked at me. And she had the most confused look on her face. She asked me, can you tell me again why you're here? I know that it's a really hard day for you, but I just need to know some more details on what I'm, you know, supposed to be looking for. And so I explained to her the events of the day. And she said, you know, I need the radiologist to read this, but can I just show you on the screen what I'm seeing here? And I said, well, please do. And she said, well, here's your uterus. Here's the embryo. I mean, am I seeing things weird? Because it looks like your baby is definitely in your uterus. And, mm. and all that blood they were seeing with a fallopian tube, I think that that was actually just this uterine vein that's supposed to be filled with blood. Wow. But, you know, of course, I, I can't say anything. You know, I need to talk to the radiologist. And so she said, I'm just going to get, you know, all the images we possibly can so that if you're going into surgery, it's because it's absolutely needed. And so she sent me back to my room and my emergency room doctor, whom I had loved, came into the room with tears in her eyes and a smile across her face and she said everything's fine baby's all right you don't need surgery today you can go home wow yeah. wow what was your reaction to that just overwhelmed by god's mercy <laughs> yeah and just so thankful that I still had this gift to raise this little one or to at least keep trying, you know, to do the best my body could to sustain him. They did see a large hemorrhage. Mm 
And so that was still a concern at the early days of my pregnancy, those early weeks. And so it was kind of fragile for a few weeks. Um, But by the 20-week ultrasound, it wasn't anything they had to worry about at all. Um, But I just think, you know, he's a miracle. I mean, I don't know if that first ultrasound was just completely misinterpreted or if the hand of God reached down and did something that we can't explain, you know, we have images from both of them. And that first ultrasound, you know, it really does look like he is between my fallopian tube and the uterus, but it could just be the angle it was taken at, you know, we don't know, but what we do know is his life was saved. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm just in awe of what God did. I mean, wow. (laughs) There are no words, Rebecca, honestly. Yeah. 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 So so now he's one. He just had a birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Sweet miracle boy. So tell me then about the rest of your pregnancy. I know you said it was a little bit, um, a little scary up until that 20 week mark, but, um, what did that look like and what did the rest of it look like? Yeah. So the beginning of the pregnancy, I was still, you know, very emotional too. And just so careful, you know, I had a one-year-old son who was energetic and bouncy and I just remember protecting my belly. Like I just had the most precious thing in there. And I was just, you know, normally I would be walking around the lake several times a day and, you know, weightlifting and doing all these things. And I just remember just being very cautious. And once I was cleared and told, you know, everything's fine and you don't have to worry anymore. And, you know, you can just go on like it's, you know, any, like, just like it was your first pregnancy. Um, I was really relieved, but I still was just, you know, I don't want to say that I was scared, but there was just something in the back of my mind that I had a little bit of fear there. I don't think that at that point I had just fully surrendered everything to the Lord, even though I knew that he had carried us through this. I just still had some fear surrounding things. It's like the joy of my first pregnancy. Um, I still obviously had this huge amount of joy, but I was actually a little bit nervous going into that second birth because I just, I just didn't want anything bad to happen to him, you know? Yeah. 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 But the rest of my pregnancy was uneventful, and I did plan for another natural and medicated birth at a birth center. When he was considered a high-risk pregnancy, I was definitely looking into hospital options. And then once we were cleared, I decided, you know, my body's done this before, and um, so I'd like to try again, you know, knowing that there's a hospital right across the street if I need it. And I was really blessed, though. We had some 
amazing midwives and they were all believers. And it was just this amazing thing because the way that they treated me throughout the course of my pregnancy was like another sister in Christ, you know, and they valued this little life inside me. And when I shared the story, you know, of how he's still here, each of my midwives, I mean, they were in tears and it was just really amazing to work with such wonderful midwives, the second pregnancy. And so I feel like in that way, you know, it was redeemed a little bit, you know? And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So walk us through, um, I guess the, towards the end of your pregnancy, what did that look like? Yeah. So the end of my pregnancy, um, I think the majority of my thoughts were really consumed with oh my goodness, I'm going to have two little children in my house. And how do I do that? And, (laughs) you know, I'm so excited. But at the same time, like, wow, this is a really big shift. And I'm used to just all of my attention being focused on my first. And now I'm going to be splitting that attention. And what's that going to look like, you know? So I think I was a little bit more nervous going into it than I needed to be. It ended up being smoother, you know, once I had the two in my home. But I definitely had a little bit of, um, you know, actually just a lot of questions, you know. How do you do nap time with two kids, you know? And how do you do bedtime? And, you know, what does the day look like? And but But the pregnancy itself went really well. And so going into birth, um, I was, I began to be excited again, you know, like I've done this before. I'm excited to do it again. And I have these awesome midwives that I'm working with. And so let's do it. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's go ahead and get into your birth story then. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it seems to be a theme that I just end up having a lot of contractions in cars. <laughs> so, so I actually, I had a lot of Braxton Hicks contractions this pregnancy, um, the second pregnancy, for several days prior to his birth. And I was not used to that because my first pregnancy I had contractions starting the day that he was born and that's it. And so I had a lot of days of, is this the day? Uh, nope. Uh, uh-uh. you know, is this the day? Oh, no. Nope. False alarm. And that was a little bit tricky to coordinate, you know, because you have to think of who's going to watch my toddler if I end up needing to go in to the birth center, you know? And so I did have some of those, but then There was one day where it was like things were really kind of picking up and 
I was noticing some other signs that made me feel like, you know, it's just right around the corner. And that day I also had a midwife appointment scheduled. And so I had my husband stay home from work to go into the midwife with me. And he did. And she said, yep, you know, you're in early labor and it could you know, it could be hours, it could be a couple days, but, but you're on your way. But, but at the end of the appointment, she said, you know, it does seem like your body's getting ready. You know, I, I would not be surprised if we had a baby here within the next, you know, 24 to 48 hours. And so what did we do? We went to Big Bowl for spicy Thai peanut noodles. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping up with the tradition. (laughs) Absolutely. And this time we knew which location to go to that would actually have them, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we walked around the lake again several times. You know, both of my boys were actually born in the dead of winter. And in Minnesota, it is normally snowy, blizzarding, below zero. And both of them, the day before I had them, it was like in the 40s, which is unheard of. And so with both of them, the day prior, I was walking around the lake several times. And so I had a little bit of, wow, like, I feel like this was, I was just doing this yesterday with Andre, and now I'm doing it again in preparation for this baby. And that was kind of fun. And so I kept on having those contractions. And that night, I was actually supposed to lead a support group for some single moms who were pregnant and expecting babies. And it was actually through a church group that I led. Um, It was an outreach ministry. And um, these women, many of them had at some point in their pregnancy considered abortion and they ended up choosing life. And so we were there to walk alongside them throughout their pregnancy and encourage them and, you know, congratulate them and celebrate them for choosing life. And I was supposed to lead that group. It was actually going to be our first meeting that night. I had not met these ladies yet. It was, uh, we had wrapped up one of the semesters and we were into another one (laughs) and, and I had to call in and my co-leader thankfully took over, but I called in and I'm like, ladies, I am so excited to meet you. I'm so sad. I can't be there, but I'm in labor and I am actually going to the birth center right now. (laughs) Hey, at least you had a good excuse, right? (laughs) I did. I did. And it was kind of fun for them too, because, you know, they were all expecting babies and then they were, you know, seeing my birth story play out in front of their eyes. So that was actually kind of fun. But instead of going to that group, we ended up going to the birth center. We actually put my oldest son to bed first. And my mom stayed at our house with him. And I remember being um, in his room. 
and having contractions. I was laying on my side on the bed and just having, I mean, at this point, they were really intense contractions. And I'm like, please fall asleep. Please fall asleep. I can't do any more contractions like this. Like I have to go to the birth center. And he ended up falling asleep just fine. And then I told my husband, I'm like, okay, he's out. My mom's here. It's time to go. Like we're going to have this baby. And so we got in the car, we started driving to the birth center and there is this one road on the way to the birth center. And it is just pothole city. I mean, it is, you are going in bumps and over bumps the whole entire way. I told my husband, I was like, okay, I'm like, we have two options. We're either just going to speed over these things and get it done with, or we're going to go so slowly because I can feel every single bump and it is torture. And we ended up kind of doing a combination of the two. Um, But we were just about at the birth center. We were coming up, uh, coming off of the road on like an exit ramp and there was a car coming straight at us down the wrong way, straight towards our car. And I'm like, no, (laughs) this is not happening right now. Like pregnant lady in labor, almost at the birth center, a block away. And like, you're driving straight at me. And it ended up being just, they took the wrong turn, obviously. And they were giggling the whole way down. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, I know this might be funny to you, but it is not funny to me. (laughs) No. No. Worst possible moment for that to happen. Right? Yeah. So we ended up dodging that and we got to the birth center. And it was just, it was, it was so relaxing finally being there. My midwife met us there. And she had a nurse there as well. Uh, This time I chose not to have a doula, not because I did not love my doula. I, she was so phenomenal. I just knew that I had very quick labors. And with my second one approaching, I thought, you know, usually your second labor goes a little bit quicker than your first. That's not always the case but typically it is. And I thought, you know, if she was only there for a couple hours with my first, I don't know if she's even going to make it in time. And I don't even know if I'm going to need that extra support, if it's going to be so fast. You know, my husband's been through it once before. He's great. He's got it down. I have an awesome midwife. I have an awesome nurse. And so I ended up not having a doula for this one, but my midwife met us there and the nurse was there and she said, you know, the whole birth center is yours today. And so you can go upstairs and you can walk around. They had this room that had a bunch of exercise balls and you can go up and down the stairs or you can, you know, this is your room. And it was just I mean, it was lovely. It felt like a spa. They had the bath water running already for the birth tub. And they had just like 
I think they had essential oils going because it smelled so good in there. And the lights were dimmed. There was some really soft music on. And I thought, wow, like, I'm so happy to be here. And I decided, you know, I really kind of just want to get this baby out. And so I, you know, last time the birth ball worked really well. Let's try that again. And I had my first labor, I had chatted in between contractions with my nurse uh, and we were talking about her wedding. And I mean, we just had fun conversations. It was actually like a really fun labor. (laughs) Uh, And this time I thought, you know, let's do the same thing. And my midwife, she had actually been to Israel a couple times, and that's something I was really interested in learning more about from her. And so I said, you know, okay, I'll tell you when I'm having a contraction, but in between, can you tell me, like, what did you see and what did you learn? (laughs) So that was the plan. But I got on that birth ball and we had maybe one little conversation before I had a contraction and then my water broke and it was like game time. And so we jumped into the tub and it was 45 minutes later and I was holding a baby in my arms. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. 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 So um, did you end up doing a water birth then? I did. I did end up doing a water birth then and I loved it. Uh, that time the tub actually did feel really good. I, I did have intense contractions, but, uh, it it was a little bit different than my first labor. It was a little bit more relaxing. And I also knew that I had, you know, done this before. And so I kind of knew what to expect. I knew that maybe I could have some back-to-back contractions and I knew that it wasn't going to last forever and just to breathe through it. And the one thing that I guess I forgot to share about my labor stories that slips my mind all the time, but I ended up, the nausea was just so bad that I vomited several times with both labors. And Mm -hmm. my first labor, oh man, I came up with this these hand signals, you know, like I would wave a certain way if I needed water and I would wave another way if I needed the barf bag. And so I waved a certain way. My husband thought I needed water. And so he brought water, but I really was motioning for the barf bag. And I just, man, like it went all over. Him. <laughs> and, and it was hilarious. We were actually laughing so hard. And, you know, they, they asked, you know, would you like us to give you any medications for for the nausea? And I said, you know, no, because it actually distracts me from the contractions. I don't mind it. I feel gross after I want to take a shower, but like, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So um, your second son, Isaac, was born. Praise God, little miracle boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, and how was um, that first bit of time postpartum? Um, did you do the same delayed cord clamping and just immediate skin to skin and all of that good stuff? 
So he actually needed a little bit of support afterward. And so it was actually a little bit of a scary time. Um, I knew that we were in great hands with the team that we had. Um, but he just, um, he needed to cough (laughs) and, and so he just needed to get some extra fluid from birth out and, um, he was able to get it out and everything was fine and great. Um, but immediately it was like, I kind of held him and then they supported him for a couple minutes until he was, you know, rearing to go and, you know, crying hard and all of that. So it was a little bit different and it was a little bit scary. Um, but we ended up getting through it just fine. Yeah, definitely. And it's incredible that midwives are so ready to handle that kind of a situation. So I'm glad that it ended up being in the long run, no big deal, but definitely a little bit scary when you're in the thick of it. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, you know, they did know exactly what to do. And when we had our first pediatrician appointment, I was talking to our doctor and he said, you know, I've witnessed a lot of births and this happens a lot. Some babies just need extra support getting out because it's a huge transition going from life inside of the uterus to life outside of the uterus. They're learning all these new things like breathing, you know, and their blood flow is different. You know, there's all these things. And so he said, you know, your midwives did exactly what needed to be done and um, he's going to be just fine. And, and sure enough, he is. Yeah, that's so wonderful. Well, tell us a little bit about motherhood and mothering two sweet boys. Yeah, so motherhood. I, oh, I'm i learning more through motherhood than I ever thought I would. It is, I'm loving it. I, I did not, you know, before you're a mother, you just before you do anything new, you don't know what it's going to be like, you know, until you're there. And the one thing that I think is not what I was expecting, but I'm certainly the most grateful for is my relationship to the Lord has just been so much closer. And, you know, I feel this responsibility to raise my children and to raise them in his ways. And so I've really gone through this time of, you know, I've been raised in the church, but I really need to know what I believe and why so that I can teach this to my children, you know, because they're going to be asking me the tough questions. And so I think that has been one of the biggest blessings coming out of it that I just never even anticipated. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's dig a little bit deeper into that. So um, what did that look like for you when you kind of had that realization? And um, was there specific resources that you went to? Of course, other than God's word, which truly has all we need. um, Did you seek any specific like ministries or anything like that? Yeah. You know, I'm glad that you asked the question even in that way, because Prior to the last couple of years, 
I, you know, I was raised in the church, but I can't say that I was actually reading my Bible. It was, I would do some devotionals here and there. I'd do some, you know, Bible studies that were really more fluff rather than food. And so that was actually the biggest change is I started actually reading my Bible and doing it every day and not out of obligation, but because I wanted to, and I actually had that desire and just sharpening my theology and what I believe. And so we actually ended up switching churches in the process too, to just get under some really solid teaching uh, because we just realized that we were getting more motivational messages rather than like actually learning the Bible. And so some of the best resources, you know, I follow the Berean millennial on Instagram and that has been so fantastic just for pointing me in the right direction with different things and questions. Um, again, these are things outside of reading my Bible. Um, but that's been a great resource and, you know, getting under solid teaching has been great. Uh, listening to actually, Ali Beth Stuckey's podcast, Relatable, has been phenomenal for me. She's had some really great theological episodes in the past that I've uh, taken a dive into. I've also listened to a lot of John MacArthur sermons and diving into some of his books has been great. I think those are the resources that uh, Vodi Bauckham is another one that I've listened to a lot of sermons from, and those have been really helpful to me. Yeah, yeah, those are also resources that I would definitely recommend. So I'm glad you brought those up. Um, you know, just hearing from wise people um, just present God's word and issues um, in the culture or issues in like current parenting trends or styles or anything like that. Um, and then just going back to, uh, what God's word calls us to do. Uh, it's just incredible. So there are really good resources out there. So I would definitely say anyone listening to check those out for sure. Um, yeah. Anything else that you want to tell us about motherhood? Well, I think the other transition that happened when I was became a mom is prior, I realized, you know, how focused I just was on myself. And I was really very self-centered. <laughs> and, you know, I think we all are. But just realizing that, you know, in raising my children, it's like, it's honestly a blessing to serve other people. And I've received more from that than I ever thought I that I would have. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. I think, you know, all of us who are in the almost to motherhood, I mean, I'm pregnant. So when we're in the almost to motherhood stage or not yet moms, I think we, it's so easy to get caught up in our own our own selves and um you do have to make this pivot to take care of these little lives and 
um, disciple these little ones. So I, I think that that's very relatable. Yes. And I want to congratulate you on your pregnancy as well. And I will be praying oh, for you, you throughout. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank and, you. And you know, the other thing that I think, you know, just talking to somebody who's going to be a first Oh, I think we lost you there, Rebecca. Oh, hi. Am I back? <laughs> You're back. You were I'm saying sorry. just talking to someone who's going to be a first time and then we lost you. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I realized that I just pressed my mute button on accident. So I apologize <laughs> You're for that. fine. <laughs> I am not a techie person at all. And You're good. Yep. This is real life. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. So talking to a first time mom, you know, I think if I had given myself some advice, prior to having my child, you know, looking back, it was kind of a hard transition. In some ways, I was just over the moon having this little baby and taking care of him. And, you know, it was just so joyful. But I think that there was such a change in my identity and how I saw myself. Because prior to having my first son, my focus in life was really very career oriented and what I'm doing and, you know, what I have going on in, in my schedule, you know, and, and then when you have this little baby at home, that whole world changes. And instead of, you know, looking at your calendar and scheduling all these things out, like I'm going to have this meeting and, you know, this is my career path and all these things. It's like, it's kind of wiped clean a little bit and your days are more changing diapers and nursing and rocking a baby and napping when you can. And I felt and these weren't, I don't think these are feelings that we should have as mothers, but I'm just being vulnerable and telling you how I felt. I felt like I wasn't as valuable, you know, because I wasn't, you know, when, when you would go meet somebody for the first time, or, you know, I'd meet up with my, my friends because um, I was the first in my friend group to have a child. Um, it was all, you know, the, the conversations were very career focused and what's going on in work. And I'm like, yeah, so um, I changed, I think, eight diapers today. So that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just a shift. And now I'm totally embracing that. And I just love it. And I see how valuable it is to just invest in your children, especially in those early years. And I would not trade it for the world. Um, but it definitely took some time getting used to and realizing that I'm actually exactly where God wants me to be right now. And my, my worth and my value doesn't come from my career per se, but you know, it's, my value comes from Christ and, and I am doing the work that he has set out for me to do right now. And 
and I don't need to have, you know, any other feelings outside of just knowing that I'm doing what I'm called to right now. Yeah, that is such a good word. I think that's an encouragement to all of us who are preparing for motherhood. And um, it's also a good word to friends and people who are supporting um, new moms. It, it offers a different perspective. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, it has been such a joy talking to you today, Rebecca. And um, I just know that there's so much information that people can get out of this and um, really take it and apply it to their own situations and also just be encouraged by um, your words today and your story. So I'm just I'm so honored that you came on and I cannot wait to talk to you more in our part two. Oh, I'm excited to talk to you again as well. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds great. Bye. I truly hope that today's episode was an encouragement to you. I pray that you will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness. Please subscribe, share, and leave a rating for this podcast. I could not do this without you. See you next time.